Hello, and welcome to the Cape Coffee Beans podcast. My name is Faden, and I'm the founder of Cape Coffee Beans, South Africa's leading retailer in the specialty coffee space. We sell everything you need to make an amazing cup of coffee at home, at the office, in the cafe, or even on the road, including equipment, accessories, and artisan roasted coffee beans, both online and in-store at our headquarters in Claremont, Cape Town. This podcast is a deep dive into the world of South African specialty coffee, with a focus on the brands, the businesses, and the people in the local coffee scene, many of whom I'm privileged to work with. I'll be bringing you interviews with many of these South African coffee heroes, so please do subscribe to the podcast and share it with your coffee-loving friends. Thank you for your support. Now let's get to today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, coffee lovers, we have a very special episode for you today. Today on this episode, we are going to be talking about a special limited release coffee from Rosetta Roastery, which is a Hacienda La Esmeralda Geisha Natural. Now, you can go on and listen to the rest of the episode to find out more about that coffee. But first, a small disclaimer. This episode was recorded in the second week of February 2021. And it is about a coffee that is only available for a very limited time. So if you are listening near to that time, you may have the opportunity to try it. There's also a special in-cafe promotion mentioned towards the end of this podcast that if you're in Cape Town, you can take advantage of over the Valentine's Day weekend 2021. But of course, if you're listening to this later, unfortunately, you're probably not going to have the opportunity to try this coffee. However, I wouldn't click stop just yet because I do think that this episode which is relatively short, is very interesting from the perspective of learning a little bit about this type of coffee, this type of variety, this estate that is very famous and has a bid, has had a big impact on the coffee world. I think that reflecting on and talking about some of the top lots of coffee available in the world, and I would definitely say that this is one of them, is an interesting thing for any coffee lover to do, even if they can't necessarily taste that coffee. So if you can't, I do apologize, but I would encourage you to learn a little bit more. And this is something that I'm hoping to do more of with our special releases going forward. As always, I'd love to hear your feedback. You can email podcast at capecoffeebeans.co.za to let me know what you thought of this episode. Please do leave a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. And if you are listening at the right time frame and you'd like to try this coffee, get yourself to a Rosetta Cafe or visit the Cape Coffee Beans website and order a bag. It should still be available for a couple of weeks, and I can tell you that it's well worth a try. Now, on to the episode. Rob, welcome back to the Cape Coffee Beans podcast. Thanks, Faden. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. No, my pleasure. You're, you are our first, second-time guest, I believe, which is uh, uh, an honor that I, I know that uh, the topic we're going to talk to about today is worthy of, because today we're talking specifically about a very special coffee that you guys have released recently. But, um, but before we get into the coffee... Um, I thought we'd start by talking about the occasion that this coffee is helping to celebrate, which is that Rosetta is celebrating its 10th anniversary. How does it, how does it feel to have hit that milestone? Yeah, it's, uh, well, we're actually almost 11 now. I guess we just take, we've taken too much time to, to get our stuff organized. And, and last year, you know, put us into a bit of a spin. Um, it, it's kind of surreal, I guess, um, you know, on one hand, it's gone incredibly quickly, and on the other hand, it's 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 felt like I've felt every day. So, I guess that's for most of us the kind of dichotomy. But um, yeah, I think you know you you do a lot of reflecting at a time like this, and we do kind of a few like retrospective 
little social media posts and other things and you kind of start uh, you know scrolling through your archive of photos and and journal entries and whatnot and realize yeah a lot of water has gone under the bridge and i've learned a, a huge amount on the way but the one thing that hasn't changed is our is our passion for specialty coffee and exposing people to it and it's still an industry that is um, very dynamic there's so much happening um, you can't get bored there's always more to learn so yeah it's been a, it's been a good journey well Cape Coffee Beans hasn't hit 10 years yet it's a few years off but I'm looking forward to finding out what that milestone feels like myself <laughs> so today we're talking about um, a Rosetta Reserve release and, and, and maybe before we talk about the specific coffee let's talk a little bit about Rosetta Reserves because there have only been a handful of them over the years right what what is how do you choose a Rosetta Reserve coffee? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And maybe there has been a criticism of us maybe not having as many as, as we might have. But I think it's been important that every time we've picked one, uh, you know, it's ticked a couple of boxes. And obviously the most important thing is that it's a, a sensory experience and it's something unusual, um, something that you're not going to get your hands on everywhere. And there's normally a little bit of a, a sacrifice in terms of, um, you know, the, the wallet or, or you got to, you got to pay for it because um, that's kind of what specialty coffee is about at the top level. So it's kind of showcasing kind of the, the potential that coffee has and that it can't actually reach unless there's an extreme amount of commitment on behalf of all of the producers to really produce something outstanding. Um, and, you know, that normally comes with a great story and, you know, there's a lot of human uh, involvement. There's generally various layers of commitment. It's not just uh, an unusually good crop. Um, it's a combination of a whole lot of factors that produce great flavor in coffee. So for us, you know, I think we wanted something that not only was going to be uh, a taste experience, but something that could open people's eyes, kind of pull back the curtain a little bit in terms of what happens in the process between the seed being planted and the and the cup being produced so that there's an educative element in the process as well um and yeah we wanted to pick coffees that are you know can trigger an experience for people sometimes you know for some people uh, just hearing about the price of a coffee is enough to make them pay attention um for other people the price is less of an issue and it's a kind of the story or the sensory experience. So hopefully the reserves have done a little bit of, of all of those things. But yeah, we're definitely hoping to to release more in, in the future and maybe not once every two or three years, but maybe you know one or two a year, just because um, I think there's a growing market and appreciation for coffee at that level. Yeah, I definitely think the, the local market for top-end coffees is there. It's definitely small, but but there are local consumers who really do want to taste the best of the best. And I will say, even though there have only yes. been a handful of reserve coffees, I've certainly felt that they've been worth waiting for. And they really, they all have been kind of in that top 1% or even fraction of a percent kind of coffees that you might taste around the world. And, and, and this one certainly would qualify. So, so this yeah. Rosetta Reserve is a Hacienda La Esmeralda Geisha naturally processed. So could you tell the listeners a little bit about the estate this coffee comes from and and what's special about it yeah absolutely so i think hacienda la esmeralda is a farm in in panama um, it's actually owned by an american family uh, they've owned it for a few generations i think the kind of the third generation now that's very much involved in in the farm and the processing of the coffee are probably in their 40s late 40s maybe 
Um, and uh, it's kind of the poster child in many senses for uh, specialty coffee showcasing its true potential. And, you know, in about 2004, uh, a coffee from uh, this farm really caught the attention of some quite big names in specialty coffee. Um, they realized they were onto something quite different and special. Um, and a few important people phoned other important people and, you know, the news spread and people started bidding on this coffee in the, you know, Panama has been quite progressive and had um, uh, the best of Panama type competition where, you know, various farmers or producers could uh, submit lots and they'd be judged by an international jury and then, and then bid on in that fashion, kind of the early days of online auctions on the internet. And uh, a long story short, um, this coffee ended up like smashing all records for, that have ever been paid for lots of green coffee by, I don't know, uh, a factor of 10 or something. Um, and, and I think, you know, the world news kind of, you know, picked up on the story. And I think it kind of opened people's eyes to, hey, there's, you know, coffee is not just this generic thing. There's actually a market for something that's extremely, uh, you know, different to the kind of generic approach that we've had in terms of coffee pricing and, uh, and rating. And, um, and I think that it, they've kind of opened a gateway to coffee's kind of price point spreading, really being driven by the, the quality of the product. Um, yeah, so that, that was in 2004. And I think, you know, the, the Peterson family have been incredible ambassadors for, uh, Panama and Panamanian coffee, but also for the potential of of great coffee. I mean, and you know, I found out um, over the time of doing a bit of research that they've actually sent, been very open to send geisha seedlings or seeds all over the world. They haven't tried to hang on to them and and you know um, make it something exclusively available from them and their valley and a few neighbouring farms and farmers. They've actually. Uh, been incredibly generous and uh, so I think that investment back into the um, the community of, of specialty coffee farmers and really working together with different people uh, in different parts of the world and trying to see what can the seed type produce what can we achieve at the high ends of coffee is has, has been a great story absolutely yeah it, it really has an incredible heritage at, at Hacienda de Esmeralda and you you mentioned that this coffee is is a gesha uh, and that's that for the benefit of any listeners who aren't familiar with the tem- terminology gesha is a variety of coffee it sits one level below the taxonomy on the species which is arabica coffee that that we all enjoy um, and gesha is quite a special variety right i mean you know it's not something you come across often in in south africa what what about it is it that you think makes it surprised you know and the, the interesting thing about the kind of geisha or, or geisha story is you know i think uh there's there's the lineage itself is 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 not completely clear although we've got a pretty good idea of what happened but as as listeners may or may not know you know coffees all the you know originally came from ethiopia or east africa um and the same is true for coffee grown in central america and, and geishas lineage comes from Africa, but through, you know, human selection of seed types that, that went to uh, Costa Rica in the kind of 40s or 50s, and then from there uh, to, um, to places like Panama, you know, that kind of curation of, of limited stock uh, and the kind of environment that it's grown in now at high altitude in Panama has, has produced something that's really unique. And and still a little different to the coffees from the birthplace in, uh, you know, in, in Ethiopia and um, Tanzania as well. So in terms of why, why special flavor profile wise, you know, in, in 
the 1920s and 30s, it was prized for its for its resistance to disease and actually wasn't lauded for its cup quality, which is which is kind of ironic because now it's all about the cup quality. Um, it's an incredibly aromatic coffee. You know, it's uh, straight away on the nose, whether it's in the grinder or on the cupping table, the kind of explosive floral characteristics are, are obvious for everyone to to pick up. Um, it's light, it's delicate, it's balanced. There is body there as well. It's not overly acidic. Obviously, some of those factors are affected um, by processing as well. But um, yeah, I think some of those characteristics were probably things not lauded in coffee 100 years ago mm. um, when people would have noticed that, hey, this coffee has kind of less coffee and, and less body and, and less punch, um, but uh, tastes and appreciation of, of, of what we want in the coffee have changed, luckily, since then a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And and I will say I've, I've I've been lucky enough to taste a few geishas over the years from a few different parts of the world. And there's no question that it does have very distinctive character and, and, and recognizable traits regardless of where it's grown and, and even perhaps how it's processed, right? Uh, yeah, abs- absolutely. And I mean, um, I think there, there seems to be a few magic kind of combinations of, of variables that produce uh, the you know get it to produce its best but uh, you know there's definitely just at a kind of varietal uh, level um, those kind of characteristics do do definitely come through and this one is is particularly special because i mean you you guys actually have a history you've ordered coffees from hacienda la esmalda before right is this is this the second mm-hmm. or the third this is the third um i can't even remember the dates offhand the first one was in 2011 and i think we did one in about 2015 or 2016 was the second one this is the first yeah the first time we've done a natural um i don't actually know offhand when they started doing natural coffees on the farm and i remember thinking back and thinking well yeah you know for them to do a natural is is does that make sense is it almost undermining the value of the coffee you know for for people that are familiar with natural coffees or not familiar they do tend to have far more prominent kind of fruit notes um and occasionally i think there's certain parts of the world that have have used processing to kind of boost the potential of the coffee that in a washed form um is maybe less exciting and you think in a a place that's producing such incredible washed coffees you know does it make sense for them to kind of explore other processing where the kind of just beautiful potential of this coffee and it's kind of uh, purest form, which I, I don't mean that in a in a derogatory sense for other, other processing, but you you there's less impact from the fruit, um, and yet the the characteristics are so stand out. You know, should they should they look at other processing methods? Is it just a trend thing? Um, but I think I think this coffee has been processed beautifully. It's not um, they're not trying too hard to make the natural characteristics uh, speak too loudly. I think finding a balance between the effect of processing and without losing the characteristic of the, of the coffee is what they were aiming for. And I think they've achieved that. I would agree. I would agree. I, I have to say when, when I heard it was going to be an, a natural geisha from Hacienda La Esmeralda, I did wonder, you know, would those kind of floral and lighter characteristics that I've associated with, with coffees from that estate come through and they do, but there's just this whole other dimension there as well. But, but of course, I suppose when, when you, when you chose this coffee, were you nervous about ordering a natural? How did how did that decision making process go? How did you decide to order a natural lot rather than a washed lot? 
Yeah, I think we 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 just cupped a lot of samples um, from the farm. You know, I'd um, I bumped into uh, Rachel Peterson, that is um, the daughter of uh, you know probably the most well-known family members worked on the on the farm, and she's very involved. And um, I got chatting to her in Berlin and asked them, you know, what have they been doing of late? Have they, you know, are there any new initiatives? And she told me that they've been looking at kind of processing coffee slightly differently, in, you know, for the last couple of years. Um, and I think some of their most expen expensive auction coffee this year had, you know, kind of anaerobic processing or elements of that as well in the in, in the processing. So I knew that they were producing good stuff across a range of proce processing methods. Um, but we definitely got a, a lot of wash samples from them as well. And I guess for us it was we want to we want the customers to to have a, an incredible experience. So what is going to be the coffee that makes them kind of open their eyes the most? And yet, at the same time, tell the story of of the farm and its and its heritage of producing great wash coffees, or not undermine that. So, yeah, I guess that was we just let the, the the cupping table kind of speak to us, and lots of rounds of blind cupping, and I think uh, you know you try to uh, eliminate your bias by uh, drinking the cup and um, or, or, or cupping coffees alongside one another in, in various combinations, and. Um, uh, trying to make sure that you're not uh, there's no confirmation bias in our process, and I think we all agreed that this was the the one that stood out to us the most. Makes sense. Well, and and it does present an incredibly unique tasting opportunity, right? Not only is it a hacienda La Esmeralda from this incredibly famous estate, a geisha, the variety that made them famous in the first place. It's also one of the very early naturally processed ones. So it really it really is a very you know unique opportunity to taste something very special. So. In, in closing, Rob, maybe you can just tell the listeners, you know, how they can go about trying this coffee, other than buying a bag from Cape Coffee Beans or buying a bag from from the roastery. Yeah, so um, we do actually sell the, the the coffee by the cup in our in our cafe spaces. Um, you know, we've got our, our primary cafes in, in Bree Street in the CBD. We've got a, a coffee bar in the Silo District, um, as well as a kiosk in the. Um, the egg department store, which is a new kind of uh, department store revamp in, in Cavendish in, in the southern suburbs. Uh, yeah, so we the, the bags are for sale at all those places, but we'll also, uh, at least in the two town branches, make pour overs of the coffee and we sell them per, per cup. Um, so we've only done filter coffees up until now. It's 150 rand a cup. You get a little booklet telling you the story um, and a little bit more about the coffee as well. And I think that's a great way to enjoy it, you know, filter coffee expertly prepared gives you the ability to over the course of maybe 20 minutes enjoy and savor this incredible cup uh, as it cools down and starts to reveal its different characteristics and maybe in a way that's slightly less intense than uh, an espresso-based drink for example however we are doing a little uh, uh, event this weekend in Bree Street um, just this Valentine's Day weekend um, where we're going to be having the, the Esmeralda in the in the hoppers as well so making espresso coffee um, that'll just be, I think, on Saturday and Sunday, and we'll you know, just discount the price a lot. Uh, I don't know offhand what it's going to be, but it won't be 150. Uh, it'll be a lot less than that. So if anyone's interested to have it dialed into an espresso machine, and if they want to drink it with milk as well, it's a it's a standout kind of very floral, aromatic, um, flat white, or even latte if that's your thing. Um, so yeah, if anyone's interested and doesn't want to pay for a full bag but wants to have a taste experience, um, that'll be a good time to do it. 
Yeah, that sounds like a, a great way to try it if you're curious but not ready to commit to a bag. It also takes the, the pressure off your, your brewing technique <laughs> to let exactly. those that exactly. baristas do it for you. Uh, though I, I have to say I did enjoy a, a bag at home and, and it was wonderful and actually reasonably forgiving in the end um, when I brewed it as pour over at home. But I think I think I may be taking advantage of the Valentine's Day special and swing by Bree Street to try it as espresso because I didn't get to try it that way. Rob, thanks so much for your time and, and thank you for bringing this incredible coffee into South Africa to share with everyone. Thanks, Fed, and appreciate your support and getting the message out there uh, very much. My pleasure. And congrats on the 10 years as well. Thank thanks, you. Rob. Thanks, Fed. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Cape Coffee Beans podcast. I hope you enjoy that. I think Rob did a great job talking about some of what's interesting to know about this particular coffee, about Hacienda Les Morelda, about Geisha. There was an interesting reflection on the history there. Uh, I think it, it should be educational whether you got to try the coffee or not. But if you are listening in February 2021 and now you're intrigued and you want to try it, I will make sure to include a link in the show notes to where to buy it at Cape Coffee Beans. And as Rob mentioned, you can also visit a Rosetta Cafe and try it by the cup, including a special discounted price during the Valentine's Day weekend. I think I'm going to be checking that out myself. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, happy brewing.